Welcome to Tax and Super Australia's podcast, Tax Wrap, where we share developments, news and insights for all tax practitioners and SMSF professionals. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and share. We'd love to hear back from you, so send questions and comments, even suggestions for guest speakers, to podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello listeners, welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast. I'm Steve Burnham. Joined uh, by David Ebden again. Hello, David. Hello, Steve. But this week we are we have a special guest. We have a, a new member of our tax technical team, or relatively new, Majid Sayed. Hello, Majid. Hello, Steve. Thanks for Hello, being here. Hello, Dave. Hello, Majid. <laughs> We're all one happy tech family. Well, I'm not tech. The other two are, but uh, that's why I've got them. We've got them in here, of course, to fill the podcast with some intelligent talk chatter. Um, now, we Tax and Super Australia run uh, a helpline service, uh, which is actually an exchange of emails these days. Um, and David and Majid are on the front line of answering our members' inquiries. So I was interested to ask, let's see, Majid, you might be able to answer this, because you seem to be doing a lot of these, uh, these uh, email exchanges. What's the, um, what's the hot topic? What are people most concerned about lately? So the number of topics that, you know, usually come up. Yep. Uh, but lately it's uh, the CGT main residence exemption. Okay. That has been coming up very regularly. So, you know, that's like the flavour of the month. I wonder why that's come about. I don't know. David, what do you think? Could it be from the downsizer? Yeah, it's highly likely with the legislation just being passed. Yeah, um, could yeah, be. People could be taking uh, taking advantage of it while it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what sort of problems are they coming to you with, Majid? So the number of, you know, interesting problems, interesting scenarios, uh, some a bit similar and, you know, some have their own facts. Right. So there was one case, you know, where a husband and wife demolished their main residence for many years Hmm. and, you know, with the intention of constructing a new residence in its place. Yeah. And after they had demolished the main residence, what happened was that, you know, they got divorced. (laughs) Right, okay. Good timing. (laughs) And they sold the land separately. I see. So, you know, a member came up with the question, would the sale of land be entitled to the main residence exemption? Ah, right. Gee, that's a curly one. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting one and also a very relevant one. Yeah, yeah. So the answer to that question is that for the CGT main residence exemption to apply, the land must be sold with the dwelling. Right. In this case, the dwelling was demolished earlier. Of course, yeah. Right, so the CGT event that happened to the dwelling happened in previous years. Whereas a separate CGT event happens when the land is sold. Right, without the dwelling though. Without the dwelling. Okay. And that means that the land would be fully taxable when it's sold. Oh, it almost seems unfair, but then again, it's, uh, they did get yeah. divorced. <laughs> so what could the, the, this is the, the clients of one of, the, of their members, was it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. And another similar query. Uh, you know, a bit different, but uh, same case where the dwelling was destroyed by a bushfire. All oh, right, yeah. And then the land was sold. Right. And so uh, one would think this would also end up similarly with the la- land being taxed yep. at the end of the day. But here, you know, legislation provides the taxpayer with relief. Okay, but what, in, in what way? So they say that, you know, if the dwelling is destroyed by fire, yep. you can still claim the main residence exemption for the land if it's sold 
you know after the fire after the fire, goes fire or any other you know uh, natural disaster natural disaster happens okay. and is there a time limit i mean if it's got to be solved within Two years, six years, or something, or that didn't really come into it. It's more the natural disaster side of things. Yeah. Okay. So it has to be, you know, ac- accidental. That's interesting. That's some very interesting situations. It's a. They can, I suppose the fact is that uh, our members don't use their helpline service for simple problems. They come to us when there's complicated problems that needs a lot of research, uh, that aren't your usual vanilla things you can get on to Google and say what happens here. Um, and so naturally, I suppose you do get the curly questions. Yes, uh, we do. And, uh, you know, another one that would okay. be quite relevant, uh, you know, in the present scenario where, yep. you know, uh, property is a very hot topic and, you know, yep. youngsters and, you know, all people alike, they're interested in property and yep. property matters, you know. So a question came to me where, uh, a piece of residential property that was being used as a dwelling was demolished. Right. And it was subdivided into two units. And then uh, the owners, they constructed two separate blocks of property in its place. Right. So the question was, would the main residence exemption apply on the sale of the two units that were constructed in place of the original property? Ah, that's fine. Were they eventually owned by separate... So it was owned by the same couple that uh, initially ah. owned the dwelling in which they lived. Okay, right. Oh, that's interesting. So what, what was the outcome? So, again, you know, the outcome is interesting. When you demolish the property, the initial property... A, 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 a large the, the, dwelling. The large dwelling. Yep. So a CGT event happens at that time. Right. And uh, CGT event C1 happens when the property is demolished. Yep. In that case, the market value substitution rule does not apply. So naturally, you know, you do not end up with a gain. Okay, right. So the next question is what happens when, you know, the property is demolished and the land is subdivided? Does a CGT event happen on the subdivision of land? Hmm. Well, does it? No, oh. it does not. <laughs> so subdivision of land is not a CGT event. Okay. What you will have to do is that, you know, you will have to allocate the cost base of the original land between the two between, oh, sorry, divide subdivided up. units. Right. Yep. Okay. And if you still want to claim the main residence exemption, what you can do is that you can claim it for one of the new units that is being constructed, right. provided a number of conditions are met. So the first thing that needs to be, you know, ensured is that the original residence, the one that was, you know, destroyed, was the main residence of the couple. Okay. Right. Yep. Then. The second condition is that, you know, the new unit should become the original couple's main residence as soon as possible. Yep. As soon as it's practicable. Is yeah. It the wording? Yep. And and it should continue to be the taxpayer's main resi- residence until disposal. And it should be main residence for at least three months. So oh. you cannot just construct the new unit yep. and sell it after a month. No, no. And okay. claim the main residence exemption. It has to be your main residence for at least three months. Right. And, you know, there are then, you know, additional conditions, uh, including that, you know, you need the, the the time period between the destruction of the original building yep. and the construction of the new unit should be four years. Ah, okay. Four, I wonder how they come up with these time limits. Three months, you've got to live in it. Four years, you've got to do something with the other the other piece of property. Well, that's the Experience. way legislation works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for us to go back and rewrite how it all, how it all came about. Okay. Okay. Um, 
so and this is all to do with the CGT main residence so exception. So if these conditions are satisfied, yep. you can claim the main residence exemption for one of the units that is constructed. What happens to the other one? The other one? Yep. That's subject to tax. Ah, okay. So when they sell it, it's yep. like an investment. Uh, or, yeah, it's different tax. So reasons. the normal CGT implications would arise. So, Majid, so if those conditions are met, we're, we're okay? Yeah, but there's one additional condition ah, that right. I did not mention. Yep. So the taxpayer should choose to treat the vacant land and the new de- dwelling as main residence for the period starting when the taxpayer stop occupying the previous dwelling yep. and ending when the new dwelling becomes the taxpayer's main residence. Okay. And this period should be four years or less. So this is another important condition that needs to be met. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm not being a tax technical person. I know that there's a, a something called a six-month rule where you can actually have two main residences sometimes, or am I off the mark there? Yeah, that's a different scenario. Different scenario. scenario. Oh, right, there yeah. you go. That's, that's the danger of having a little tax knowledge and not a lot <laughs> like you two. Um, mm. I'm just a little bit uh, off the mark sometimes. But anyway, uh, at least I ask the question. Yep, that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right, Majid, any, any other on the main residence exemption that you've come across lately? Or any other, are there any other helpline calls that, uh, or emails that um, have covered a different topic lately? So, yeah, you know, n- number of interesting things come up all the time. Yep, yep. And these questions were related to main residence, the ones that, you know, I could think of. Yeah, that we went through. And... Um, there are the interesting topics as well. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should come back and. But any any other any one you can think of right now? Um, so, and another very re- relevant topic, considering you know the number of new immigrants that we have uh, over here in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And that might be relevant to those immigrants is what happens when you receive a distribution out of a deceased estate that is not situated in Australia. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I got a query where. Uh, the taxpayer got a distribution from a UK estate. Yep. And that distribution was basically a capital gain on a property situated in the UK. Right, right. And naturally, the UK trust is not a resident of Australia. No, no. And the property is not taxable Australian property. That means, you know, in layman terms, the property is not situated in Australia. It was situated in the UK. Right, right. So the ATO could not tax the trustee of that foreign trust. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. But that capital gain distribution received by the resident beneficiary can still be taxable. There's a provision called Section 99B of the Income Tax Assessment Act 1936. And the ATO is of the view that this amount would be taxable in the hands of the, oh, beneficiary, of the beneficiary okay the, uh, in okay. australia okay. yeah so you may think you know this is a situation where um, it's a bit unfair to tax mm. the resident for again yeah you know that arose in, uh, in a an, foreign estate foreign the jurisdiction that's but right. that's the way tax law works right and uh, what the tax resident can do is that he can claim a foreign income tax offset oh. against you know, the tax liability that may arise in respect of that amount. So the basic principle is that, you know, the way that Section 99B works is that uh, you would not be taxed on a distribution out of the corpus of the trust unless a resident taxpayer would be taxable in respect of that amount. Okay. So a resident 
a resident taxpayer is taxable in Australia for the worldwide income. That's right, of course, yeah. yeah. So a foreign cop capital gain is taxable in the hands of an Australian resident. Yep, yep, okay. Right, so that's why this amount becomes taxable under 99B. And that would be included in assessable income. However, however, at the end of the day, the taxpayer can claim the foreign income tax offset against that amount. That's, that's interesting. That might be something that you'd... Uh, yeah, I was about to say um, yeah. that, that that might sound uh, very complicated, but it's um, it's not as complicated as the inheritance tax in the UK. Really? That, that's an absolute headache because <laughs> you've got seven-year cut-offs, five-year cut-offs, and right. you need to work out when things were given, when things were gifted. Right. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a headache and it's a real mess. Well, it and, might be better uh, to put things in the property that can be sold and then Correct. distributed to uh, Australian uh, relatives, yeah. uh, if you can plan ahead that far. But yeah, but yeah, that's a discussion for another day, yeah, I think. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Majid, that's been enlightening. Thank you for, for that, for bringing that to our, our listeners' attention. Thank you, Steve. Um, and David, thanks for being here to just to chip in, which you always do um, uh, reliably. Thank yep, you. Yep, thank you, Steve. Thank uh, you, Majid. Listeners, I uh, hope you've found this enlightening, and I certainly have. Uh, please be, be, be with us again next week.